Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. The difference between doctrine and policy, it gets a little bit confusing, folks. And I think it becomes even more confusing when you look at an article that is found on page 27 of the December 2021 edition of the Liahona magazine. There's a heading that says Official Declarations 1 and 2, and then just to the right of it, it asks the question, why does church policy sometimes change? And I think the reason why the LDS leadership has to bring up this question is, no doubt, a lot of people wonder, well, why did we believe certain things in the 19th century, and we no longer believe those things today? I think the church has come up with a very clever way of escaping that dilemma, Let's say some things are doctrine, but some things are policy. And as they make very clear on page 27 under the heading, Official Declarations 1 and 2, they say that some revelations lead to policy changes, such as those found in the official declarations. But then it goes on to say, however, doctrine, the foundational eternal truths of the gospel, never changes. Now, so the question then becomes, and we've been discussing this, if you're going to point to the official declarations, that would, of course, be official declarations one and two. And as we've discussed in the first part of this week, we looked at declaration one that deals with the teaching of polygamy, the doctrine of of polygamy, as opposed to the policy of having more than one wife? You see how confusing this becomes. Early leaders didn't really separate the two, but the church has to do that because now the policy of having more than one wife is no longer a part of LDS doctrine. You can see how this gets confusing. Well, what do we do with Declaration 2 having to do with giving the priesthood to those black members who are of African heritage? The way they excused it in 1978 was in one paragraph, pretty much right in the middle of this declaration that was signed by Spencer Kimball, N. Eldon Tanner, and Marion Jean Romney. It says, aware of the promises made by the prophets and presidents of the church who have preceded us that at Sometime in God's eternal plan, all of our brethren who are worthy may receive the priesthood and witnessing the faithfulness of those from whom the priesthood has been withheld, we have pleaded long and earnestly in behalf of these, our faithful brethren, spending many hours in the upper room of the temple, supplicating the Lord for divine guidance. Well, if the Lord had really given them his divine guidance, you would think that that divine guidance would have been in accordance to what Brigham Young taught when he was president of the church. Though this declaration says, aware of the promises made by the prophets and presidents of the church who have preceded us, that at some time in God's eternal plan, I don't think Brigham Young thought that 
the time was going to be 1978 because Brigham Young makes it very clear in what he taught on October 9th, 1859. And you can find this in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, starting on page 290, going to 291. He said that curse will remain upon them, and they never can hold the priesthood or share in it until all the other descendants of Adam have received the promises and enjoy the blessings of the priesthood and the keys thereof. Until the last ones of the residue of Adam's children are brought up to that favorable position, the children of Cain cannot receive the first ordinances of the priesthood. If that's true, what Brigham Young taught, then how can this statement be true that 1978, through prayer, God said, okay, that time has now arrived. But yet Brigham Young makes it very clear that it's not going to happen until the residue of Adam's children are brought up to that favorable position. The children of Cain cannot receive the first ordinances of the priesthood. But yet, in 1978, that was reversed. So that must be the policy. In other words, Banning those of African heritage from getting the priesthood is the policy. So my question is, then what's the doctrine? If that's the policy, lifting the ban, what is the doctrine? Well, I think LDS leaders in the past have made that quite clear. And if we look at a statement that was made by the First Presidency back in 1951, It spells that out. So we're going to look at an official statement of the First Presidency that was given to BYU President Ernest L. Wilkinson. It's dated August 17, 1951. Now, John Lewis Lund, in his book, The Church and the Negro, cites this on pages 89 and 90 of his book, What does it say? The attitude of the church with reference to the Negroes remains as it has always stood. It is not a matter of the declaration of a policy, but of direct commandment from the Lord, on which is founded the doctrine of the church from the days of its organization, to the effect that Negroes may become members of the church, but that they are not entitled to the priesthood at the present time. Well, let me stop you there, because it sounds to me, from what you just read, that It's a doctrine of the church that Negroes, blacks, could not hold the priesthood. The church now is giving us the impression that that ban was policy. But that's not what they were saying back in 1951. I mean, it makes it very clear, does it not, Eric? It says the attitude of the church with reference to the Negroes remains as it always stood. It is not a matter of the declaration of a policy, but of direct commandment from the Lord. Now, that sounds like doctrine to me, does it not? It does. Okay, well, if it's doctrine from the Lord, that means you can't change it. That's permanent. But yet they're making it very clear, what is that commandment from the Lord? What is it? That Negroes may become members of the church, but that they are not entitled to the priesthood at the present time. Sounds to me like that was the doctrine. Now the church is given the impression that, well, no, that was more the policy because that's all that was really changed in 1978. What does the declaration say? Well, we're now going to allow all worthy male members, regardless of their race, regardless of their skin color, if they are worthy males, they can hold the priesthood. But that 
is more of policy now, they're telling us. That doesn't seem like that's the way it was when this first presidency statement was written on August 17, 1951. Well, the statement goes on to, I think, make it even more clear for us living in the 21st century. And again, we're, we're talking about an official statement of the first presidency to BYU President Ernest L. Wilkinson dated August 17, 1951. It continues, The position of the church regarding the Negro may be understood when another doctrine of the church is kept in mind, namely that the conduct of spirits in the premortal existence has some determining effect upon the conditions and circumstances under which these spirits take on mortality, and that while the details of the principle have not been made known, the principle itself indicates that the coming to this earth and taking on mortality is a privilege that is given to those who maintain their first estate and that the worth of the principle is so great that spirits are willing to come to earth and take on bodies no matter what the handicap may be as to the kind of bodies they are to secure, and that among the handicaps, failure of the right to enjoy immortality the blessings of the priesthood is a handicap which spirits are willing to assume in order that they might come to earth. Under this principle, there is no injustice whatsoever involved in this deprivation as to the holding of the priesthood by Negroes. Now, doesn't that sound like what they did in the preexistence must be the doctrine? And yet, the church is trying to give the impression, no, 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 that's not a doctrine. Because if you're going to say that that's the doctrine, their behavior is why, for instance, Brigham Young said they were born with a black skin and a flat nose. That was Brigham Young's statement, folks, not mine. But he said that was the mark. The curse was not being allowed to hold the priesthood. Well, if that's really now going to be considered the policy, because that's all that changed, are we still to assume that this idea for that coming forth of the policy was based in the fact that those who are black were not valiant in the preexistent life? And the church is trying to deny that today. Well, if they are denying it, does that not mean, if we're correct in our assumption, that they are denying the very doctrine that they say is eternal? You can't deny a doctrine because doctrines are always eternal. But yet this is exactly what we are seeing here. They are saying it is a doctrine. The position of the church regarding the Negro may be understood when another doctrine of the church is kept in mind, namely that the conduct of spirits in the pre-mortal existence has some determining effect upon the conditions and circumstances under which these spirits take on mortality. It seems pretty clear from this statement that the doctrine is just that. How did these individuals, who were not allowed to hold the priesthood until 1978, behave before they took on mortal bodies in this world? That seems to be the doctrine. So even though the policy has been changed as a result of Declaration 2, are we still to believe that blacks misbehaved in the pre-existence. In other words, it's been explained by LDS leaders that when there was a war in heaven and Lucifer was not chosen to be the savior of this world, but rather his brother Jesus was chosen instead of him, Lucifer 
takes one-third of God's spirit children, our brothers and sisters, and joins with Lucifer to rebel against Heavenly Father and our brother Jesus. There were some, as it's been said, who were not as valiant in the cause of Christ as they should have been or could have been, but still they were on the side of the cause of Christ, but they just didn't seem to put in the effort they should have, I guess. Because of that, God allowed them to take on a mortal body, but in order for, you could say, the church to know that these were not allowed to have the priesthood, as Brigham Young would explain, God gave them a mark, and the mark would be the black skin. And the only reference we have in all of the standard works is one verse. According to David O. McKay, ninth president of the church, he said, I know of no scriptural basis for denying the priesthood to Negroes other than one verse in the book of Abraham, and he's referring to chapter 1, verse 26. And would not Abraham 126 be doctrine? Of course it's doctrine. It's right in their scriptures. I've never heard anybody refer to Abraham 126 or really any other verse out of their own written scriptures to be anything but doctrine. They certainly do not describe it as a policy. But you see, this is what the church is trying to do now. They got caught and people are asking questions. Well, what about these changes? Mormon Apostle Bruce McConkie had an answer for that, and we're going to talk about it in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.